When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maggie Baird, and to me, family is everything. Hello, and welcome to We Are Family. I am your host, Julia Dennison, and I'm here with Maggie Baird, actor, screenwriter, and theater teacher. But of course, she's also mom to the one and only multiple Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter, Billie Eilish, and her brother, Phineas, also a multiple Grammy award-winning musician. Maggie has written and co-starred with her son Phineas in the 2013 film Life Inside Out, and in 2016, she edited her daughter Billy's music video for Six Feet Under. She was also a member of the Groundlings Improv School, the likes of Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy. Maggie, thank you for coming on. We are family. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm laughing at the editing because that was literally Billy shot that herself in our backyard and then went off on a choir tour to Japan and needed to talk me through what she wanted. Oh my God. <laughs> so I literally just edited that in iMovie. It was supposed to be a temporary video until they made a real one, but it was kind of cool. So they never made a real so one. So they kept it. Well, listen, it gets you that IMDb listing. There you go. <laughs> Like, so that funny. is really funny. <laughs> well, so yeah, I, I mean, let's just start since we're we're a podcast here about family and parenting and you are a mom to two superstars. Holy cow. Can you talk us a little bit about what Billy and Phineas were like as kids and, you know, what their personalities were as you as they grew up when you were parenting them? Well, let's see. They were very funny, first of all. Very, very, very funny together and separately in funny in different ways. Phineas is four years older than Billy, so both kids were very spirited. You know, when you read the parenting books, they were high-need babies <laughs> and spirited children. <laughs> Those are the terms they that they give you, which are very nice, loving terms. So very high-need, you know, as babies. Phineas always wanted to be carried in a sling at all times, was literally seemed like the happiest baby child in the world as long as you were holding him, carrying him, and moving. And then if you put him down for two seconds, he was in agony, just like crying and miserable. And so from the very beginning, we just were like, okay, that's what he needs. And so that's what we did. And Billy had similar but different sort of very much wanted to be carried and with you and in your sling. And uh, so that's what they were like as little babies. And then, you know, Phineas was always Phineas. He, he, he spoke really, really early and he was very, you know, communicative and, and, uh, but he was also kind of highly tortured, high need, had a lot of sensitivity issues, very creative and very alert. And Billy was, you know, very, very strong-willed and, you know, really had this vision of what she wanted and, you know, would tell all the other kids, you know, make make movies from the very earliest age and and music videos and 
direct them all and tell everybody what to do. So they, you know, looking back, you could definitely sort of see the seeds of who they would become. Somebody told me like, what you have at three is what you can have at 13. And I have to say it was very true in our, our house. That is good to know. I have a five-year-old, so, and a very spirited five-year-old. So this gives me hope that maybe one day she, she might be taking home a whole bunch of Grammys. Who knows? <laughs> of course, they collaborate a lot now in their music, and I know Billy's written about Phineas and her songs, and they seem very close. What was their dynamic like growing up? Has it always been that way? It really was from the very beginning, aside from a like typical period, I think when Phineas was like maybe 11 years old and, you know, she was seven, eight, like there was a 11, 12, you know, there was a like, ugh, irritated by the little sister period. I think that's very common, but very much until that time and then shortly after that time, very close. You know, we live in a small house. We homeschooled our kids or unschooled our kids, you know, in a in a large community of homeschoolers, unschoolers, but, you know, meant they had a lot of time together. So they just really got up to creativity and fun, you know, in the house and in the yard and with, with very close friends that we had too. So we had like a, a little, a posse of families that were always around. And so I think that helped them be very, very close, you know, mm. and they also, they have this sense of humor. I think that's key, you know, and they had similar interests, you know, they, they love, they like dance and they liked, you know, making things with tape and boxes and, you know, all that kind of kid stuff. I love that. Talk to me about the difference between homeschooling and unschooling and what your kind of decision was behind homeschooling or unschooling them. Yeah, our decision was sort of surprising. I think we, we were older parents. I think I was 36 or 37 when I had Phineas. Patrick was a couple years older. And we really waited and we really couldn't wait to be with, you know, our children. And so it sort of started out, it started in two different ways. I think Patrick read an article, believe it or not, about Hanson. And he was like, hey, they're homeschooled. This sounds interesting. Like, I don't know, nothing to do with like being musical. It was just the first time I think he'd heard of it. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit you know, I'm from Colorado originally, then I lived in New York. But when Columbine happened, that really rocked my world. I was, I that just really tore me up as it did everyone. So kind of planted the seed in my brain, like, I don't know, I don't know if I want them to go away all day. And then, you know, because Phineas was you know, he had these sort of challenges and he also had this really active, amazing brain. And we were like, I don't know, this is going to be hard in regular school, you know? And we certainly did not have the money for any kind of private school or special anything, you know? And we just thought, well, it's just going to be, it's not going to be easy. And we're going to spend so much of our time dealing with trying to make it better for him when we could just spend that same amount of time nurturing in our own way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, also he went to a cooperative nursery school and the cooperative nursery school, I did so much work as you do at those. I was so involved and I was doing all these things with the kids and all these activities. And I learned to be a music teacher so I could teach, you know, and and, you know, all he liked there was the sandbox and lunch, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was like, well, wait, if I'm going to be a, you know, a big volunteer, I might as well be a big volunteer for what he really loves to do. And then Billy was tiny at the time. And so we found this amazing homeschool community in California. We're, we're super lucky. There's uh, lots and lots of homeschoolers. And so there were activities and park days and field trips that were organized and just so much community to get involved with. And so I just started volunteering my time there. So I'd, you know, I'd lead the book clubs and I'd lead a field trip. We'd have people over to our house every Friday. We'd make crafts and we'd talk about the history of the holidays, you know. It just was very organic and kind of made sense in our lives to kind of follow their lead and what they were interested in. And then find the kind of missing gaps in different ways, like a homeschool co-op that we were involved in where, you know, there was this amazing mom who was this genius teacher and she taught the most wonderful geography class. It was so fun and the kids loved it, you know, so it was it was hard to just like parenting in general, kind of following where your kid's journey is taking them and adjusting. I love that. That's so beautiful. And so a lot of people have these ideas in their head around homeschooling, like it can sometimes isolate your child socially. But it sounds like what you had there was a real cooperative with lots of children. And and, and I suppose, so the difference between unschooling and homeschooling, I guess unschool homeschooling doesn't always have to be at home, I guess, right? There are homeschoolers who do kind of do a more rigid sort of school structured day. We did not. So we were really out in the world, like world schooling. Like, you know, the science center is pretty empty on a school day. It's the perfect day to go there. You know, there's when Phineas turned 13, we went to the Grammy Museum, unbelievably, every week because he loved music. And so they had these wonderful classes on like music of the Civil War or how to use Ableton beats, you know, or something. There's a big community. And also, listen, I, I, kids who go to school, that's all great, too, and there's wonderful schools, and that works. But there is a lot of time at school where you're not really allowed to visit with other people. Right. Whereas we were, like, always with other people. They had friends all the time. They were, you know, constantly, you know, doing activities with their friends and these fun field trips and stuff. So it, it's kind of whatever you make it. I think if you lived in a community where there weren't as many people doing it, you know, so there weren't as many kids available during the day, it might be harder. But also, you know, you're not limited to just what you do. Both kids did the Los Angeles Children's Chorus. Mm-hmm. And they met tons of friends there. Both kids did uh, the Revolution Dance Center in Montrose, which is near us. And they loved dance and they loved choir. And those were huge parts of that. They played Ultimate Frisbee in the Rec League. You obviously have this background in, in theater and, and passion for music yourself. Did you always know that they would work in entertainment? Or when did you first kind of have that inkling, if ever? <laughs> no. Well, first of all, we're actors and as working class actors, you know, in other words, kind of job to job, hoping you'll make your health insurance every year kind of a life. You know, we lived in a world where being talented did not necessarily equate with success. You know, lots of talented people are very successful. Lots of talented people are not. Lots of not very talented people are also very successful. You know, it's a weird industry. It's not really necessarily driven by hard work and talent. And so we're very indoctrinated in that world. So never in a million years did I just assume that they would be rewarded for something. You know, I was really more just like excited that they had things they love that I figured they could make a living at in some way. I taught this little songwriting class at the homeschool co-op and 
not that I'm like the greatest songwriter in the world, just like I know the basics, right? And if you have the basics, so I taught I taught a songwriting class, started with like, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles, you know, like here's a good song structure. And right away, Phineas just, he got it. Like it just, he just got it. A light went off and he went, oh, I, I get it. I get it. And you started writing songs and every song I'd be like, who wrote that song? He'd say, I did. You know, it was, it was crazy. And much the same, Billy did the same four years later when I taught the class again. So it wasn't because I wanted them to be songwriters or musicians or anything. It was really just, hey, I find this a fun thing to do. Maybe you'll think it's fun too. And we always knew Billy had this unbelievable voice from the time she was tiny and she never stopped singing. She sang everything. You know, she sang before she talked. She loved singing. She'd say to me, mom, what should I play in the car? And I'd be like, just sing to me, you know? So it was really just a passion thing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So I wanted to circle back on what you, you just said about being a working class acting family and kind of living paycheck to paycheck. I feel like you were able to give your kids so many great opportunities, but you didn't always necessarily have the resources. How did you make that all work? We bartered a lot. <laughs> we did a lot of things like uh, my husband did handyman work at the gymnastics gym. You know, Billy loved her gymnastics class. We, you know, we couldn't afford it more than like one session. And so he would do handyman work there and just fix whatever was broken. And I did some cooking in exchange for singing lessons from their singing teacher. Kind of everything, a lot of volunteering, some scholarships, financial scholarships at the choir, you know, being the super involved parent, you know, the one like, I'll organize the class. You know, I got into aerial circus with my kids and they loved it. So, and I said, I will organize a homeschool class. And she said, okay, great. So then you won't have to pay for it, right? So it was really just a lot of kind of working it out. And there's a lot of opportunity. Listen, there's privilege in just having the time to do that. And so I always want to acknowledge that, you know, even if we didn't have 
that much money. We had the privilege of not working two jobs apiece all day. You know, not everyone can do that by any means. So we made choices to kind of keep our life small, have a small house, have a small footprint, have an old car, and, you know, spend what we could and at what time we could. And also the one thing about being unemployed actors is you do have a lot of time (laughs) to focus on your kids. But I think there's something to be said for You know, my son said once on an interview when he was younger about homeschooling, he said, you know, all kids really want is your time and attention. And it's not about what you buy them and, you know, how nice their house is. It's your time and your attention. I love that. That is so very, very true. So what's your family dynamic like now? You know, with Phineas and Billy traveling all over the place, going on tour, how much time do you spend together? And what's that like? Is Billy still only, what, 19? She's 19, but we've gone on every tour with her. So you're always there together. We're always there. And Phineas Phineas is on his own solo tour now. That's really been sad for us because it's the first time when he's really been away. I actually just went and saw him in New York and it was amazing. But, you know, in general, we're, we see each other all the time. We're so lucky. And I'm going to be honest, like I made a conscious decision, like we're going to live in a city where our kids might stay. You know, I grew up in a little town in Colorado. I love that town, but there wasn't anything for me to do in what I wanted to do. And so I moved away, you know, right away. And I've lost both of my parents. Both of my parents did not live to be old. And, you know, it was sad to not live near my family. So I feel quite lucky that we live in a city that I think they're basically going to be in. And at least so far, Patrick works on Billy's crew. And I work with Billy just kind of helping in all kinds of regards. A lot of it's just, you know, trying to help a lot of decisions. It's a, it's a kind of overwhelming career and it takes a giant army of people to work it all out. She has managers, but I just kind of work with her to take a little bit of the strain off of all the decisions that have to be made. So we're pretty much together. We travel on the tour bus, you know, we we have so much fun sleeping in the bunk and, you know, it's it's a fun life. It's, you know, it's hard to be away from home and come home with 12 suitcases that are all over your little house and unpacking and repacking. I mean, it, it's definitely highly stressful at moments and challenging, but there's real elements of fun and joy. And seeing your kids on stage, you know, I mean, it's just mind-blowing to see them do what they love. And I love the fans. I love all the fans. They're so lovely. You know, I never really was a hardcore fan of something. You know, I loved Pink Floyd. You know, I loved the Beatles, but I wasn't like hardcore fan. And and it's really fun to be a fan, I've realized. You know, it's so much better than being a hater, you know, to to have something you love. And I love seeing these young people doing that, you know. It's great. Yeah. But also teens aside, I mean, Billie Eilish has just such a huge universal appeal and her lyrics are so sophisticated. And I'm here like, you know, I'm there like getting ready for bed, listening to her music as a 39 year old. And it's like, yes, it's hitting home and I'm getting so emotional. And I think, oh my gosh, how is that possibly coming from somebody who's 19? She seems so very sophisticated in her creativity. I think she is, has a real vision of, it's really interesting to watch creativity, isn't it? You know, to see, it's interesting when it happens to you, you know, when you sit down to write 
even a letter and you're like, what am I going to say? And then your brain starts putting it out. You know, it's an amazing phenomenon. And watching them, you know, I was so lucky through the first album, they made all that album here in this house and, you know, Phineas's bedroom. And they made the second album in his, you know, little studio in his house that he lives in with his girlfriend now. It's amazing to watch that creativity and to see that from such an early age, you know, teenagers, children have feelings. They have deep, deep feelings. and they think about deep and sometimes dark and sad and profound and moving things. I think they they mostly all do. And the ability to then express it is so fortunate, first of all, you know, so fortunate to have a way to express yourselves. And I know Billy often says she doesn't know what she would have done without the ability to write music. And of course, she has Phineas as this partner and they write everything together and they have this you know, he has this beautiful way with her of, you know, just being there to support her, like letting her have vision and letting her have the whole, you know, you know, he writes, he writes and produces with a lot of people and he has his own project and they're wildly different, wildly different. He, he has an ability to really let the artist shine and she just has a real point of view and it comes across in the way she thinks and it's fun to be there when she starts to make connections her brain starts to shoot stuff out and it's it's fun to watch yeah i remember reading about happier than ever which is just one of my favorite all-time favorite songs generally um just being very therapeutic for her and yeah and i think you make an excellent point often there's this hierarchy in society between parents and kids like parents always know better and it's like yeah kids are humans too with their own feelings their own personalities their own emotions and it's really important to respect that and it feels like you do a really good good job of that. Billy always says that, you know, you know, a lot of the th- times, I mean, people have done incredible things at those ages forever. You know, remembering it's the first time and the first, you know, the first time you fall in love, the first time you learn about global warming, the first time, you know, those can be very powerful times, you know, you can be full of passion and rage and anger that maybe a bit later you kind of like, okay, we live in this world, it's complicated, but we have to cope, right? And so I think the the passion of youth is really something to be listened to because it's it's fresh eyes. Yes, absolutely. And so also both your kids have been spoken about as being eccentric and weird, but in a good way, which I think is awesome. And I think your husband, Patrick, has said that Billy, quote, has no tolerance for people she's not interested in and doesn't give a shit whether you like her or not. I feel like we all hope that our kids will have this feeling of self-belief and this, you know, this just sort of like disregard for for conforming the way that your kids do. What's your secret? Was that something you helped foster from a young age in them? You know, listen, this is one of the things that was nice about not being in school. I'll be honest. You know, we didn't have the kind of peer pressure. All their kids' clothes were from hand-me-downs or Target or thrift stores. You know, they didn't have any judgment about that. All their other friends were doing the same. There wasn't a lot of judgment and we also surrounded ourselves by a lot of people who had those same philosophies. So I don't like to take too much credit because I think sometimes kids are just who they are. And they are very strong-willed people with very strong... And, and listen, as I'll tell you this, those kind of things that are hard when you have a five-year-old and they're super strong-willed, you, got, you remember that that's going to thing that's going to keep them from peer pressure later. They're going to make their own decisions because that's that same quality. And I will say sadly that the idea that she never cares what people think isn't, you know, sadly, social media is brutal and she bears the brunt of that like everybody who's on it. And that can be extremely painful. And it's extremely painful to have to become a person who 
has social media always in your face, but you really can't look at it. You cannot look. I can't even do it. You know, I I can see the nicest article about Billy and I have to force myself not to look at the comments, not look at one comment because so much hate is out there and people take such joy in just hating for any reason. And and they have, they have no idea you're going to see it, like whatever, they don't care, but you have to be very careful. And so that that is definitely, she, she feels that. I think what's really just true is her style, her sensibilities, her, how she's going to live her life. You know, she doesn't care what people think about that for sure. <laughs> how do you support her through all that or both of your kids when they have those trolls and they have those negative comments and that's affecting them mentally? That is really hard. That's been one of the hardest things. I know Mel C., who Billy has met a few times, we've all met. She's so wonderful. And I remember she pointed out that, you know, when, when the Spice Girls were happening, they didn't have that at all. You know, Eddie Vedder is like, you know, they got a bad review once, maybe from a, a paper. You know, that's like the, as bad as it could get. And now you've got every single person on earth able to say what they think in a comment. It's a crazy thing. So it is very, very hard. When it first started, I remember it very well. We were in Germany. I think that was the first time she started really feeling it. It was a bad time. I mean, it was a very dark time. And, you know, it's sort of just being there and lending that other perspective of, you know, what can you do? You know, encourage people not to read them, let them know how much you love them and give them some kind of context for it. I wish I had a better strategy. I personally do. I, I know we're we're all pioneers in this, you know. I felt that way parenting even Phineas in the beginning with video games. You know, it was like the first generation of hardcore video games at young ages. And then Billy, you know, with social media, you know, parenting books that I read when Phineas and Billy were little are almost obsolete now because this challenge is so great. And you know, and I don't think the definitive book has been written about it because we just don't know how it's changing people's, their brains, how it's changing their self-esteem. And we know it's hard. Listen, I will say my biggest tip, if there's any tip, is that when you approach the teen years, as hard as it might be for you personally to do this, don't think of the teen years as the time when, oh, my kids are teens. I can go do, you know, whatever, not be home. It is the time where your kids need you the most. Somebody told me this, and it was a great parenting tip. They just want you around. They don't want to talk to you. <laughs> they just want to know you're there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they want to talk to you at two in the morning, and you got to take that opportunity at two in the morning, whenever it is. And it's not the same kind of rewarding, like when they're little and they hold your face in their hand, they're like, I love you. You're the most beautiful mom in the world, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. You don't get that kind of payback. You just need to know that they need you more than ever. And they need to know that you are there supporting them, there at a moment's notice, whatever they want to say, whatever they need you to do. It's a it's a rough time. I would I would also say, and and listen, I'm I'm in therapy and I was late to get to therapy, but you have to be aware that those teen years take a toll on your own mental health and you gotta you gotta take care of that too. Yes. Lisa Demore is a child psychologist, and she talks about potted plant parenting with teens. They want you to be a potted plant in the corner. We've talked about this in the podcast before, but just there. They know you're there. They don't necessarily need any interaction from you, but they know that they are, you're there if you, if you need them. 
So true. I've heard that potted plant phrase. And I didn't know that's who did it. But I love it. It's so it's so accurate. It's so true. But of course, you know, you still have to be a mom too. And again, Billy is 19 and there are things like getting enough sleep and eating properly and all those parts of, 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 of raising teens and raising kids. How do you kind of navigate that? Are you still kind of in the weeds making sure she's eating, making sure she's sleeping? <laughs> I am. And, you know, I was a real broken record on sleep and I drove my kids crazy, especially Phineas, because he would be in the studio across the hall from Billy's room. I happen to be in Billy's room right now. It's a little house. So you literally like reach your arm out, you know, there, there's the other room. And he would be up. I'd get up to, you know, pee at four in the morning. He'd be still awake working. And I was a broken record. Like, please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. You can't force someone to sleep. And we always had this policy, like when you were younger, like if you're making music, you don't have to sleep because you're creative, right? And I know what that's like. It's hard to, you know, you don't want to turn that off. But at four in the morning, I'd be like, please go to sleep, you know? And I will say Phineas kind of later came to it on his own that he did better if he slept more and Billy to some degree too. You know, I don't know. I walk that walk. I walk that line of like, how do you balance telling them the things that are important for them to know and also letting them, you know, make their own decisions as they get older for a long time, you know, I was the broken record in the green room. Please, everyone stop talking to her. She needs to sing tonight. You know, please let her let her rest her voice. You know, mm-hmm. just a broken record that nobody seemed to listen to. That's parenthood, right? <laughs> but now she's taken that on herself. Mm-hmm. You know, now she's like, hey, I'm on vocal rest. I'm warming up my voice. So again, it takes a lot of effort and you're not usually appreciated for it, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's the worst part about parenting teens, the hardest part. You have to just go like, I still have to do it. It's my job, but no one's going to thank me for it. No one's going to like me for it. And, you know, and give them lots of space and lots of choices. And, you know, same as little kids, you know, would you like this or would you like this? Can I help you with this or can we do this? (laughs) Universally, parenthood is about not always being appreciated, but trying to do the best thing for your kids. So now just generally a question we always ask everybody, what are your hopes and dreams for for your little family for the future? I hope that they just continue to check in and, and see that what they're doing is true for them and that they always keep in mind and as part of what I try to do help them keep in mind that your legacy is not just a hit song you know your legacy is what you do as human beings for the world to better the world what you give back how you use your superpower which is this platform that you've been given So I hope that they continue because they've actually been quite generous in that regard and they do really care. So I hope that they continue to be able to do that and and make music in a way that just gives them joy and that the pressures that may seem to be put on artists to keep doing something a certain way or whatever, you know, that they can just be true to themselves and and continue to love making music and making art. Well, I love their music. And thank you for being an awesome mom and raising two really amazing kids who are clearly making a huge impact on on everybody here across the world. So Maggie, thank you for coming on We Are Family. This has been such a great conversation. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I love, I, I love family. I love being a mom. And so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling positive love toward everyone out there and just hoping they're just taking a moment to think how wonderful it is to be a parent. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Maggie Baird. Next time, you'll hear from the singer, dancer, dad of three, and Backstreet Boy, Nick Carter. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione, and thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family.